0: Not on. Oh, I. Am. Thank you, Gordon. Um, so we come to look at this second, as it were, core value for us as a church. Um, last week, uh, Graham looked at um, community. This morning we look at discipleship, and next week uh, Martin Irwin will be looking at the subject of mission. Now those are core values. They're core values. I trust of all churches because they are something that is written in many different ways uh, throughout Scripture uh, in terms of what we uh, as church should, should be. So what does it mean to be uh, a disciple? If, I was, if uh, someone was to come to you and ask you if you were a Christian, not looking for responses by the way now, but if someone was to come and ask you if you are a Christian, uh, what would you say? And if they said, what is, what is a Christian? What would you say? What would your initial thoughts be? It, mine probably would be, if somebody talked about being a Christian, my initial thoughts would be what I believe, what I believe about myself, what I believe particularly about God and Jesus and what he is, who he was and what he's done are you a Christian? But if somebody came to me, if one of you came to me and said, are you a disciple? What would I say? I'd probably hesitate. When I think of discipleship, I tend to think not so much about beliefs, I tend to think about of doing, of actions, of the way I live. And no doubt all of those things are important. I want us this morning... Uh, Amy's read to us three short passages from Matthew, from the calling of those first disciples to when Jesus left them and entrusted them, in, as it were, uh, to go on being his followers after he would no longer be with them, at least in person. So I want to look at what it was for those first disciples and then we want to apply uh, some of those things to ourselves. So first of all, we see that when those first Fishermen, the ones that we were read about, um, uh, were called. Jesus said, come, uh, follow me. And uh, actually, it would help if I had my notes on the right page, wouldn't it? I realize that's, pa- that's right in the middle. That would help. Good. Jesus um, asked them to come and follow him in Matthew chapter 4. And they did, didn't they? They left, it says, they left their nets they left their boats they left their whole way of life that they'd been used to for all of those years and they in a sense they probably left their families they left their communities they left all the things that they knew to go into to go with jesus and in a sense into the unknown now we know that's not the first time they'd encountered jesus it wasn't just just there and then it happened They'd obviously already been listening to Jesus. They may well have been disciples of John the Baptist who talked about the coming, coming, of, coming of the Lamb of God. But they, at that point, made a choice, a conscious choice to leave, to leave all that they'd known and to go with Jesus to follow him. A big change, big decision. Why did they do that? Well, we can't fully answer that question because it doesn't give us lots of details in the Bible. But they weren't forced to do that. They chose to do that. What what made them want to do that? Why would you do that? Well, there's probably all sorts of reasons and possible motives. And no doubt, maybe they may have been mixed. But I think, I think in simple terms, they did that because of what they saw, who they saw in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was because of something that they saw in Him that caused them to do that. And we read, don't we, later on when John, one of those fishermen, is writing in his Gospel about, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Right at the beginning he says that we saw, we saw His glory and He was full of grace and truth, it reads in the NIV or in the, one of the other versions, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. If you saw someone, if you saw someone that was full of love, full of love, all the time, would you be attracted to that person? If you saw someone that was faithful all the time, always dependable, always true, always trustworthy, would you be attracted to that sort of person? I think above all, these disciples were attracted. They didn't see it fully at the beginning, but they were, even then they saw enough in the Lord Jesus Christ to be attracted to Him and therefore to make that decision, that choice to go with Him. And that stayed with them, didn't it? And the longer they spent with him, the more they got to know him. The more that came to be true. So that when the other disciples, because there were many other disciples, when many of them were leaving the Lord Jesus, because they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't grasp what he was teaching, and it seemed just too difficult. And he says, Jesus turns, doesn't he, to those fishermen, and he says, "And you? What about you? Are you going?" And they say, "No." Peter says we can't i can't you have the words of eternal life come to recognize that life itself was somehow found in this person that they were with and right at the end now even after peter's denial you know when jesus meets up with him doesn't he and jesus says to him do you love me and peter says lord you know i love you peter knew that he loved this man complete total love for him and what's more he knew that jesus knew that he loved him which is why he three times he says the same thing they saw in him wonderful things it all oh right yes they saw wonderful miracles they listened to his teaching they saw they saw many things happen but above all it was jesus himself who he was that caused him to want to, to, to make that initial decision and then to follow it through in terms of being a disciple. You see, they were with the best person that had ever lived. There was no one like him. No one had ever been like him. And that best person was calling them to be with him, to go with him, to become like him. And also they came to realize that he wanted the best for them. He wanted the very best for them in this life and through this life into the age to come. He wanted them to be with him in this life and in the age to come. The other day referred to that verse which I think is one of the most wonderful verses. There's many, of course, wonderful verses. But in John 17, right at the end of Jesus' prayer before his his, his uh, arrest and, and, and uh, death, he prays, doesn't he, for, for them. But right at the end of that prayer, he says, I want them, he's talking about his disciples, and those that would believe through them, I want to be with them. I want them to be with me where I am and to see my glory. In the age to come, I want them to be with me. I want them to share in my life, and in my glory. So this is why they followed him. Because he was the best. He was the best. And he wanted the best for them and for others. And here's the thing. You see, we will only be his disciples if we really want to be. Do you hear that? We will only be his disciples, his followers now, if we really want to be his followers and disciples. He doesn't make that happen. Just like with those, those men, he says, follow me, come and follow me. He didn't force them to do it. They had total choice, free will. And they wanted to. And that's why they did. And that is the same for us. We'll only realize, and we'll only want to do that if we realize, if we have some understanding of who He is that's calling us to be His followers. And what He wants for us. And that what He wants for us is the very best that there is. In the, in the Gospels, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, in Matthew 13, he tells those very short parables, doesn't he, of the pearl and the hidden treasure. And in those two parables, the things that are the same is this: there are two people who discover something, isn't it? One, in a sense, perhaps by accident; one who's looking, searching. And the two people, both when they discover what they when they when they discover the treasure and the pearl. They both do exactly the same thing, don't they? They both go away and they sell everything else that they've got so that they can buy the field with the treasure in it or buy, acquire that pearl. No one made those people do it. No one made those individuals go and sell all that they had to get this thing. They did it it willingly. And they did it willingly because they knew that what they were getting was so much more valuable than what they were giving up to get. If you'd gone to them and said, why are you selling everything? That's, that seems a bit costly. Why, why are you selling it? They'd say, actually, no, you've got it wrong. We're doing it because we're giving these things up because we're getting this. And this is so much more valuable than all of this. Don't you see? We want to do it. We want to do it. Because this is of so much value. Yes, it cost us, but look what it's got. So when Jesus says, and he says this, this is his most repeated statement in the Gospels. So when Jesus says to his disciples, and in a sense to us, if you want to be my disciple, you must give up everything. You must leave it. You must even, in a sense, love me so much that your other loves for your family even look like hate. That's how much you love me. And, and you must count the cost. And you must take your cross and follow me. He's saying it in the context of if you don't do that, if you don't understand that, then the truth is you don't really understand who I am. You don't really understand what I'm giving you. You don't understand what you can have. If you saw that, you'd be willing to do this. And so what we need to pray is that we would see what God wants us to see and to see Jesus for who He is and for all that He's willing to offer us. If we saw that, then this would not seem like it so often seems. you with me? It's a relationship. We are called into a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. And that relationship is to be based upon love. His love for us and in return our meager and at times very uh, changeable love for him. Um, but we we know that when we are in love with someone, we do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. We choose to do things that we wouldn't like to do, but we do them because we know it pleases somebody else. And uh, I can remember. I can remember that, you know Kim was willing to put up with um, cows, and she doesn't like cows I should put that in there. She's a bit frightened of cows. She was willing to put up with cows and um, flies and stinging nettles to come fishing with me. Because she loved me. She didn't actually want to do that at all. But she did occasionally. She doesn't do it now, so I don't know what that <laughs> means. We do. Th- when we love somebody, we do things... Because we love them, even though they're not things that we'd want to do for ourselves. And as we come to love the Lord Jesus, we were willing to do things for him because we want to please him and to honour him. That was those first disciples. Well, you see, it's different. You say, Well, it's different for them. They had Jesus there with him, didn't they? They could and they talk, they say, um Peter says, doesn't he, and John say, about how they, they heard him and saw him and they touched him. They were physically with him. And of course, that's not us, is it? We don't see the Lord Jesus in the way that they did, physically, in person. And yet all through history, uh, as well as today, there are, people who've, there are people who've come to love the Lord Jesus, even though they've never seen him. Peter writes, doesn't he, uh, in the the beginning of his epistle. He says to those Christians who've never seen him, he said, you love him even though you've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Because God has revealed himself to them and wants to reveal himself to us. And we realize that that a lot of that is to do with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and yes, through God's Word, reveals who Jesus is to us. So that we today, all those hundreds of years after Jesus called those first disciples, and who've never seen Him physically, we can come to love Him. He can open his word to us so that we can see who he is. See what he's done. See that he is the best. See that he wants the best for us. Jesus says, you know, in John 14, doesn't he? I'm going, effectively, I'm going, but I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. The word for advocate, paracleton, however you pronounce it, Is about strengthening. It's one who comes alongside and who strengthens, who walks with us. He goes on to say in John 14, and I will love them and I will reveal myself to them. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who Jesus is. And you know what? You've only got to ask. Because God actually wants to reveal Himself. He I'm going to twist His arm. You haven't got to do certain things to 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 prove yourself, to earn that. You've only got to ask. He's willing to reveal himself. If we sincerely seek, then we will find, is a message that comes across in many different ways in many different places. And that promise that was for those first Christians in Acts, those first believers, Peter could say isn't it the promise is for you and all who have been called by the lord your god this holy spirit will come upon you will fill you and he will reveal himself to you and of course one of the main ways we do that is by reading this if you really want god to, if you really want to know who jesus is why don't you just I'd ask and really want to see who He is, so that your heart will be changed, my heart will be changed, so that we want to follow Him, then why don't you just read a gospel? Why don't you just sit down? It doesn't take that long. Why don't you just sit down and read a gospel? And as you read it, say, Lord, I want to see more of who you are. I want to see. I want you to reveal yourself. As we read, his word together, so those first disciples. That's why they followed him because they became to see who he was, and what did their discipleship mean for them? Well, very quickly because we know all these things. First of all, it meant that they went with Jesus, didn't they? That they spent time with him. They lived, literally lived with him. It wasn't just for Sundays, wasn't just for the Sabbath day. Rather, it was every day of the week they spent for him. With him, probably during those next, more or less through those next two or three years. They walked with him. They literally walked with him, of course, because that was the only, virtually the only mode of transport was your own two feet. So they walked with him. They lived with him. They saw him not just when he was up there preaching, but they saw him in every aspect of his life. They walked humbly with him as we are asked to do and it was neat they needed to walk humbly because they were to learn from him so they were like apprentices yeah don't know if you've have you ever been an apprentice put your hand up if you've ever been an apprentice i've been an apprentice yeah quite a few of us put your hand up if you've ever had anybody sort of work as an apprentice with you where you've sort of had to show them things, right, some of the same sort of people, okay. Well, I can remember as an apprentice, I can remember my, I was talking the other day about some of my, I don't know why, about some of my one or two early experiences when I started off as an accountant. I wasn't the best of, appren- best of apprentices. I can remember very early on, one of my very first jobs, um, getting it completely wrong. And then I spent the next day undoing all that I'd done the previous day and then trying to do it the way I should have done it in the first place because I hadn't listened to the one who was teaching me clearly enough or I just hadn't got the brains to understand. And these people were called to be apprentices of the Lord Jesus, weren't they? It's a good word for a disciple, an apprentice. doesn't mean they always got it right and often we know they didn't get it right. They made mistakes all that arguing about who was the greatest and all the rest of it. But they were there to be apprentices, to learn from Jesus himself. And a disciple is a person who learns to live the life that his teacher lives. They were apprentices, so they were with Jesus, they learned from him, and they were taught on the job, weren't they? They, as they watched him do things, they were taught how he did things, what he did and how he did it, how he related to people, and they were called to do the same. And then as Amy went on to read, they then were asked to go out and do the same sort of things. So that's sort of preaching the kingdom of God, healing people, um, revealing people, revealing who God was in the the kingdom. Um, They were called to do that themselves. So having watched him do it, they were then asked to do the same sort of things in his name. And we know they did. They came back rejoicing because of the things they would experienced. And Jesus said that this was to continue even when he, lif- when he left. That they were to live in his, do things in his name and in his authorities. They were to be disciples and to go on making disciples. And that's how it was for those first disciples. Lifelong walking, being with, learning, obeying, loving doing you see a disciple is not someone who's called to leave their primarily called to leave their family or leave their job and go and do a different thing or go and work for a church or go and go overseas or whatever else few people are called to do that in a sense and they're no they're no different they're no more special than all the rest of us in a sense who aren't called to do that but we're all called to become disciples. We're not just called to be Christians. We're not just called to be people who believe something and because of that belief, think that we'll go to heaven when we die. That is true. Very simply, it's true. But that's not it. We're not called to be Christians we are called to be disciples. We're called to live in the kingdom of God, to experience the kingdom of God in our lives, and to be able, by God's infilling with His Spirit, to reveal that to other people. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be, in whatever situation God has placed us, to be as Jesus would be, in that place, in that situation. In our jobs, in our homes, in our relaxation, in our sports, whatever else, we're called to be like Jesus. So we're not called to, to, to do necessarily all the things that Jesus did, but we are called to, to be and to do the things that we do in the way that Jesus would do them. So how would Jesus do your job? If Jesus was with you, in your office, in a factory situation, or whatever it might be, how would Jesus be there? How would He do it? Because that's what He wants. That's what a disciple is, isn't it? It's to, it's to be and to, to do the things that Jesus would want us to do in the places where we are, with our families, with our neighbors, or whatever else. Apprentices won't always get it right. The question is, is not, whether you <laughs> it's not whether you're the best apprentice that there ever was. The question is, is whether you're an apprentice. Apprentices will make mistakes. A famous bishop, Hanley Moore, wrote, he said, We aim at nothing less than to walk with God all day long. We aim at nothing less than to walk with God all day long. However, to the last, it will be a sinner that walks with God. Just like those early disciples, and we see their sinful natures being revealed in many different ways. Discipleship is a call to relationship, to walk through our life with God, our Lord and Saviour. So am I a disciple? have I intentionally decided to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have I come to that point? And am I still working through in a sense that last week we sang a song we haven't sung for a long time, I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back, no turning back. That, by the way, was interested to see who'd written that song according to the, on the screen last week. A guy called Sadhu Sundar Singh. An Indian, as you might have guessed. An Indian who at the end of the 19th century, a 14-year-old boy, a Sikh, but, been, but at a Christian mission school, 14 year old boy whose mother died and who then blamed the christian god for that and he he reacted violently he threw he started mocking the christian teachers he threw filth at those christians and in his great and in his main act of defiance he took a bible and page by page he tore out the bible and he burnt it. But he was overwhelmed with despair and misery. And he cried out to God, if you're really there, reveal yourself to me. If you're really there, reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me today. This night, And and if you don't, I'm going to throw myself under the train that comes past my house at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. Because I don't want to go on living. And through the hours of that night, he prayed. He just prayed that prayer. Reveal yourself to me. And he had a vision of a man. And the man said to him, Will you go on denying me? I gave my life for yours. And the man showed him his hands. Because he knew who it was. And, And he said, I'll follow you. And he did, you can imagine it caused great great difficulty, including his family trying to poison him. (laughs) But At a very young age, he left his home and his family, and he literally walked around India and into Tibet. Twenty times he went into Tibet, just walking, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many believe he often suffered persecution. Some of the villages, they beat him. He tried to do that. But he followed Jesus. As he cried out to God, Jesus revealed himself to him. He saw who he was. And he made that decision that he would follow him. Now, we're not called to live the life of Sadhu Sundar Singh. He died, by the way, about age 40. We're not called to live his life. But we are called to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're called to do that because we see, because he's revealed himself to us as to who he is. And we, seeing who he is, freely choose to want to walk this life with him. is a quote here to end with in the last analysis in the last analysis we fail to be a disciple because we do not intend to be a disciple We fail to be a disciple because we do not intend to be a disciple. Let's pray. Father, we pray that that would not be true. We pray that we will intend and decide to be followers of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we've seen who he is, what he is. Because we've seen that he is the best. And that the call to follow him is the best thing that we could ever do. And that we therefore choose to do it. Help us, Lord, we pray. You know all about us. You know all about me. There's nothing that is hidden. Lord, and in our weakness, in a sense, and frailty, we cry out to you. Reveal yourself afresh to us. Let your Holy Spirit come upon us. Indwell us. And Lord, let us, allow us to be Have that wonderful privilege of knowing you unfollowing you. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.